be seated. All right, so we are starting a brand new series today. Uh, it is called Please, Sorry, Thanks. Please, Sorry, Thanks. And uh, so I am uh, pleased today. We're talking about the word please. And then this is going to work out great. Pastor Ryan next week will hit sorry. And then on Thanksgiving Sunday, uh, it will be thanks. So that uh, lines up really, really well there. So we're going to talk about this this word please this morning. And I was sitting in Pastor Ryan's office with him. We were kind of talking through how we're going to do this. And I was like, so what do I preach about? Just please? And so thankfully he had like a whole little uh, outline that we're following with this stuff. So that was great. But uh, I really didn't even <laughs> understand exactly what it what it was. But it's basically prayer. It's basically asking God, please, asking God for things. Um, and so let's turn to Matthew 7 is where we're going to go. Matthew 7, 7 through 11 is, is going to be our main scripture passage this morning. Uh, so when I think about asking, I think about please, uh, the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is, is having good manners. You know, please and thank you are kind of like one of the earliest things we learn as as kids is, you know, you say please when you want something, and you say thank you when it is given to you, and yes ma'am, and no ma'am, yes sir, no sir. And, um, you know, all this whole idea of having good manners, but also think about a, a little kid, how many of you know that when a little kid wants something, they're pretty good about wearing you down until they get it? You know, whether it's that they want a snack right then, right there, they want their bottle, their sippy cup right then, right there, or they want to sleep with mom and dad tonight, they want to sleep in your bed, and rather than them just keeping coming back every 15 minutes to your room trying to convince you, you just finally give in and let them sleep with you. Kids are very good about wearing us down to to get what they want because it's just this over and over again persistence and i think there's something to that so let's let's read this passage matthew 7 7 through 11 says this ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives he who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be opened which of you if his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your, will your father in heaven good gi give, give good gifts, a lot of G's, give good gifts to those who ask him? And so Jesus here is kind of giving us a little bit of a teaching on, on prayer uh, and on how to ask things four things and, and this idea of, of please. And so this, to put this in context, this is coming in Matthew chapter 7. This passage is right here almost at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus has already said a whole lot of important things. Arguably the most important teachings he, he ever said were during this, this long passage here, Matthew, of, of the Sermon on the Mount. And so this is kind of almost like a bookend as he's wrapping things up here. He's taught all these things about really how we should live. And then he says, if you do things this way, ask and you, you will receive, seek and you'll find not. The door will be answered. And so Jesus commands us here at the end of all these really good things about how to live our life. He commands us to ask for things. And I always feel super weird about this. I, I, I don't know at what point it, I got so in my head about this, but it's like I feel weird 
asking God for things. I think at some point I must have heard a sermon about, you know, you should be more thankful and you should thank God for all the blessings he's already given you. And so I kind of have a weird approach to asking God for things. I feel like a burden to him sometimes. I feel like, well, why does he need my request all the time? You know, he knows what's good for me. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. Why does he even need me to ask for anything? And so this actually really has helped me a lot as I've studied through this. uh, And I hope that for all of us, we get something out of what Jesus is teaching us here. And so why, why don't we ask God for things? Why don't we ask for things, even though Jesus clearly commands us to? And not just here, we're going to break down a few other places where it's very clear how persistent Jesus wants us to be. But why don't we do that? A few reasons. I think, first of all, I think we have wrong beliefs. I, just like me, I, at some point in my walk, have, have gotten a weird feeling inside of me like, I can't ask God for things or I am in the wrong when all I'm doing is just asking, asking, asking for him. I want to be thankful. We have wrong beliefs about who God is. You know, this whole song, we just sing the goodness of God. He has good things for us, but sometimes we forget that too. We forget that we're sons and that we're daughters of God. So we have wrong beliefs. Maybe we also have a distorted perspective. We underestimate what God can do. We overestimate what we can do for ourselves. I try to do a lot of things on my own power and my own strength. I'm not good at asking for help. I'm not good at letting other people uh, take on things with me, especially here around the church and my job. I feel like I'm the one getting paid to do this. I don't need your help. I don't help me. And I need to learn to give up those things. I overestimate what I can take on, what I can do myself. And I underestimate what God can do. We have wrong beliefs. We have a distorted perspective. Another reason maybe we don't ask God for things is that we just have bad experiences. Maybe we have asked God for stuff in, in the past and we've felt ignored by him. So why risk it again? Why risk a no again? Someone else in our lives may have felt, uh, made us feel like we were unimportant. And, and so why would God find importance in us? And the last reason that maybe we don't pray, we don't ask for things is, and maybe we just have a lack of knowledge. We don't know how to pray uh, for the desires of our hearts, and we're, we're not really sure what Jesus teaches on that. And uh, so hopefully this morning we can hit at the root of some of these things. Uh, there are two very valuable principles on how to pray uh, that I want to pull out of, of a, a few scripture verses this morning. Number one of uh, principle how to pray is pray with uh, persistence, pray with persistence, and be rooted in a confidence in God's character. Remember God's character. So pray with persist persistence and be rooted in a confidence in God's character. So let's jump into this first one. Praying, praying with persistence. What does this look like? We're going to go to Luke eleven five through ten. Another uh, story that Jesus tells in Luke eleven five through ten. Keep on asking. Be persistent. The intensity of, of our asking should, should increase. He is telling us, you know, seek and you will find. If you ask, you'll be answered. Knock and the door is going to be opened up to you. And so uh, most scholars believe that in order to kind of drive that point home, even though that was in Matthew and this is in Luke, most scholars believe that Jesus tells this parable right here, this story, as a way to further push this point of seek and you will find uh, because he repeats that idea here at the end of this passage as well so Luke 11 5 through 10 says this Jesus said to them suppose one of you has a friend 
And he goes to him at midnight, and he says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I think that would probably be my reaction, too, if someone knocked on my door at midnight wanting three loaves of bread. I'd be like, Dude, I'm in bed. Like, What are you? Leave me alone. I will tell you, though, he will not get up. He will, he will not get up and give the bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And so, again, Jesus caps this at the end here. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks find. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So he repeats that phrasing there again uh, that we heard at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew as well. And so it's this idea that, especially back in their culture, I know this is kind of weird in our context. I, I can't imagine any of my neighbors coming to my door at midnight. But back then, hospitality was was key. It was a huge, huge deal. Whether there was a newcomer into the village, whether you knew them or not, or they were a complete and total stranger to you, it was your duty and it was what you were supposed to do was to, was to welcome them in. And if you didn't, you were, kind of, you were kind of frowned upon. And so Jesus is telling this story that even, I mean, this, this is even a stranger in this town. This is in this parable. It's this man's friend who is coming and asking. But he says it's not because it's his friend that he's going to get up and answer. It's because of his persistence. It's because, oh, my gosh, this guy won't stop. He's going to keep on knocking until I get up out of bed and give him what he wants. And so Jesus is like, ask and you will find. Seek and he will answer, you know, knock and the door will eventually be open. It's, it's this idea of persistence in our prayer because of his really shameless persistence. I mean, this guy just doesn't even care anymore what his friend thinks. He's going to keep on coming. It's, it's tenacity. It's a, almost a, a brazenness, a shameless persistence. And Jesus is telling us this is what our prayers should be like when we're saying please when we're asking for things from God, that it, it's okay to be this almost harsh with it, to persistently run after God. Let's turn over uh, a few pages, a couple chapters, to Luke 18. Luke 18, 2 through 5. This is another parable that, again, scholars believe Jesus told this parable to further drive home this point of seek and you will find. This is Luke 18, 2 through 5. And it says this, He said, In a certain town there was a judge, who neither, who neither feared God or cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, at least he's self-aware, it's pretty messed up, but at least he knows that about himself, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. So that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And so this is uh, this judge. Again, here, this woman, this widow just keeps on, keeps on. Give me justice. Give me justice against my adversary. I've been wronged. You need to judge rightly in my favor over and over and over again. She's coming to this just judge. And she's asking for justice over and over. Give, give, give. Ask, ask, ask. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. And in the... Uh, original language the, what the judge says is she's wearing me out this phrase of wearing me out or or wearing me down um is actually borrowed from 
uh, boxing. It's it's like a fighting term of this woman is literally wearing wearing me down to the point that I'm about to collapse. She's going to give me a black eye. I'm about to leave bloodied and bruised because she will just not leave me alone. And so when I was reading through this passage and I, I realized that this phrase is borrowed from boxing, I, I couldn't help but think about one of the greatest fighters of all time, and that is, of course, Rocky Balboa. And I started thinking about him, and I was like, man, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of how he did it. When Rocky's in the ring, I mean, we see these training montages, and I would kill to be as ripped as Rocky. But he didn't win these fights by being the heaviest hitter. He was almost always outmatched, always outgunned. He was always the underdog. No one really thought he could do it. But by the end of the fight, everyone's cheering his name. And he wasn't even, not necessarily, wasn't even the most skilled fighter in these fights. So he wasn't the most skilled. He wasn't even the hardest hitter. I mean, the Russian that he goes up against is literally on steroids illegally. So, I mean, he's definitely not throwing the hardest punches. But what was it about Rocky that put him on top every single time, every single movie, even the not-so-great ones, was that he was persistent. It was his persistence in the ring and one of my favorite quotes as he's fighting Drago, the Russian. As he's fighting him, Drago's like, he's not human. He's like a piece of iron. You know, I, I picture Drago just punch by punch. He's getting worn out. He's getting worn down. And Rocky's just, come on, come on, come on. You're not so bad. You're not so bad. You know, over and over again, dancing around in, in this ring. So check out this clip. This is, this is Rocky Four. This is the very last round uh, where Rocky and Drago are going head-to-head, toe-to-toe.
<laughs> so there you go. If I was just get like fired up watching that, like we could probably just have an altar call right now and be incredible. Um, <laughs> but there's something about seeing the rock in the ring going toe to toe with this, you know, towering Russian dude in the in the cold the middle of the Cold War. You know, seeing them go toe to toe, blow to blow, and and again, Rocky never won by being the toughest, but he wore this guy out because I mean, you so he he want, he didn't even have his his gloves up half the time. He's just standing there, come on, fight, come on, fight, and just taking blows to the head. You know, and you know it's probably not extremely realistic, but you know, just blow by blow. I looked up this YouTube video on online as I was looking to pull it, and I was just was like skimming through the uh, comments as it was downloading. And all the comments were like, ah, yes, the greatest defense in boxing, one's face. It's perfect, you know. It's like as people were commenting, like, Rocky never once, like, puts his hands up in a defensive position. His face is his defense. Like, all the comments were just talking about how, how this man's face is just impenetrable. So, uh, you know, little by little, this is what Rocky does. I mean, pretty much every movie, he wears down his opponent because he can just take a hit. And they can't take hits like he can. And eventually, you know, he's short, little Italian stallion, and he can get down there and wear out that rib cage until they're down for the count and they can't take anymore. Sometimes, just like this widow is going to the judge, and this judge is like, this boxing term of she is wearing me down. I can't take anymore. He finally gives in and gives her what she wants. And so, and just like this man who is a neighbor comes at, at midnight asking for, for food, He's finally worn down to the point that he gives his friend what his friend is asking for. Sometimes saying please to God, asking God for things is, is pleading with him. It's going back into the ring with him for one more round. It's going back one more. I never thought that I would preach a sermon on prayer and show a clip of Rocky fighting uh, in that. But it's this idea that we just wearing down God in a very strange way. I know that feels weird, but this is what Jesus is commanding us to do is to be persistent over and over and over again until God cannot help but hear our requests, until they cannot help but be made known. Saying please to God requires us to go the distance. And we see this, not just these stories, but over and over again in Scripture. It's, it's like the four friends who bring the paralyzed man to Jesus. They're not satisfied with just being on the outskirts of the crowd, but they go on the roof, they cut a hole in the roof, they lower their friend in just so they can get to Jesus. It's like the Canaanite woman who she is desperate for Jesus, and Jesus in a very weird sentence, very weird phrase, Jesus is like does a, does a parent give food to his children or to the dogs? Calling this woman a dog because she's a Canaanite, not an Israelite. But I think Jesus was setting her up to again further this point that will you will you keep coming after me? Will you still be persistent? And she does. She says, well, Jesus, don't the dogs at least get scraps from the table? And he says, I see your faith. Go home. Your daughter has been healed. And so over and over again, these people come and they go after Jesus over and over. And the woman who who comes and against all the norms of society, she lets her hair down. She comes in and she washes Jesus's feet with her hair and I and again I just ask you know this is a weird thing is it really okay to talk to Jesus this way to talk to God this way for us to tell God the audacity of us to tell God over and over again what we think he should do and yet this is what Jesus is teaching us to do in every single one of these passages and throughout scripture and all these stories he's teaching us to pray this way with persistence 
So what if saying please has less to do with just having good manners and more to do with just this extreme persistence of I'm not going to be satisfied until I get an answer. I'm not going to be satisfied until I get what I want. Jesus is teaching his followers to ask to the point that it's annoying. (laughs) Just to keep on asking and asking until it's just like, hey, I give up. Fine, you can have it. This is the kind of prayer that Jesus is, is teaching us about. But something else before we move on to the second point to note about every single one of these stories, the, the man who's asking for food, the woman asking the judge for justice, all these people that interact with Jesus, every single one of them, they're doing this not out of arrogance, but out of, out of extreme humbleness. It's almost a desperate determination to, to get what they want. They're coming on their knees. They have nothing else. And I wonder sometimes how many, how many times have I missed out, how many times have you missed out on the good gifts of God. We sing it, the goodness of God. We sing how good he is. All my life you've been faithful. But how much more goodness of God do we miss out on simply because we're not willing to look foolish enough to get there? to act a little foolishly, to be a little more persistent, to humble ourselves and not think we can just do it all on our own, but to ask God for help and allow him to do that. So in order to ask God for things, two principles, again, pray with persistence. And the second one is to be confident in God's character. Be confident in God's character. Going back to this verse, uh, the first one we read, Matthew 7. 7 through 11, um, what we believe, what we experience in prayer is dependent on what we believe to be true about God's character. What we believe about God is going to be shown very clearly in our prayer. Is, is it that we truly believe that he's good, that he's faithful, that he's sovereign, that he knows best? Do we really believe that he's not going to withhold any good thing from those who are walking in righteousness with him? In this passage in Matthew 7, this is this is. Very funny how things, even though originally there weren't chapters and verses to the Bible, those were added in later. It's very funny how these things work out sometimes. We're in Matthew 7, verse 7, and there's seven promises that Jesus, that's kind of cool, the number of, it's a perfect number, the number of completion, one of God's favorite numbers to use over and over again. But, so he says again, you know, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock, the door will be opened. Um, everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, the door will be answered. And then there's this last kind of, this seventh point, this last kind of weird thing here. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And I cannot read that passage without thinking about my dad. So my dad is also a pastor. Uh, he pastors over in, in Effingham. He's a, he's a lead pastor now, but when I was growing up, my entire childhood, he was a youth pastor and, and music some too. Uh, but he was a youth pastor, and so you know, I was just, even as an elementary school, I was always running with the older kids, always in with dad and his youth group. And so for a, forever, I was the sermon illustration. If you're the pastor's kid, you are the sermon illustration. I don't remember ever signing off on that or giving my permission or consent, uh, but, you know, this was the early 2000s. We didn't even know this whole thing about consent and all that. So, you know, he, he did what he wanted to do. So 
he would use me in all these illustrations. And normally it was my, my mess-ups, my mistakes, or maybe it was something good that I did or uh, whatever. But I remember a time where I finally hit uh, sixth grade, and for a, a little over a year, about a year and a half, my dad was my youth pastor, and that was very cool. I was young enough maybe that it was still cool. I don't know that as I got older if that would have been less cool. But <laughs> sixth and seventh-ish grade, uh, he uh, was my youth pastor. And so I remember being in youth group one night, and um, before, I don't, I don't remember if it was, it was the day of, the day before, but he pulled me aside. He's like, hey, I want your help with a sermon illustration. I'm like, oh, I, I'm not just going to like be used in the sermon illustration. I'm going to be a part of it. He's like, yeah, I want you to, to help me out with this. So he was preaching on this passage about the loving father who loves his children. If they ask for bread, he's not going to give them a snake and, and all these things. And so um, he welcomes me into this sermon illustration as he's preaching on this from Matthew 7, 9. And um, we planned it all out. And so he, wh- what we were going to do was I was going to be just in the, in, out in the, in the audience with the rest of the students. And he's going to get to this point. And as he I, I had some sort of cue I was supposed to listen to. And then I was supposed to raise my hand. I was supposed to say, Dad. And he was, he's going to call on me. I was like, Dad, a little sixth grader in with all the older kids, too, all the way up to 12th grade. So, you know, a little sixth grade Trent says, Dad, hey, Mom forgot to feed us before we came to church tonight. Um, do you have anything I can eat? And, like, this is in the smack dab, like, middle of his sermon. So all the other kids are like, who, what in the world? And I even remember my dad being like, this is why we shouldn't, you know, he's playing along, mumbling, this is why we shouldn't have sixth graders in here. This is ridiculous. And so we go through this whole thing. And so he takes uh, this bag of raw beans and just, like, hurls it at me. And uh, he told me later, he was like, he was like, you were really selling it, and so I wanted to really sell it, and so he went a little overboard. So he hurls raw beans at my head, and they, I don't even, they like go flying behind me. So someone gives them to me, and um, and so he tries to, you know, continue in his sermon, but I was supposed to be persistent. And so I get the beans. I'm like, hey, hey, Dad, I can't eat these. What are you, what are you doing? And so it was this whole thing. And so eventually he lands right here on Matthew 7, 9, reads the passage. And everyone, you know, is like, ah, okay, this is a sermon illustration. Except for one guy who came up to me after. He's like, dude, I'm so, like, I cannot believe your dad. <laughs> like, he really went off. He threw those. Be- I'm like, I'm like, dude, it, I was part of the illustration. I, oh, 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 okay. So he was a little, uh, a little late on that. But, uh. That was a really cool experience for me. Rather than just being an illustration, um, I got to participate in it. And um, that was so much better for me, to take part in what it was that my father was doing. I was getting older. I was maturing. I was past the age of just being a bystander. And he welcomed me into his ministry. He welcomed me into what he was doing. He wanted me to be included in the good things that he was doing, and in a little bit of fun, too. Every single person that is in Christ, we are full-blown sons. We are full-blown daughters of the king, and he has good things for you. God has good things for you. He's not a father that when you ask for something good, he's going to give you a snake, you know, or raw beans, but he has really good things to give you, and sometimes maybe we're just not persistent enough to continue to ask for them and maybe we just don't understand the character of God enough to know that he is good do we pray this way do we pray like we truly believe in God's character 
Jesus told these stories about the annoying friend, the persistence widow, to challenge his followers at the time about what they thought about God. Do you really believe that God is your friend? Do you really believe that he's a just judge, that he's going to judge your situation righteously? Of course, we know, of course he does. He, we know his character, but sometimes it, when it comes to prayer, we forget these things. Here's a quote from, from A.W. Tozer. He says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. This is going to determine our relationships with everybody else. It's going to determine how we see this world, and it's going to change um, the view of even ourselves when we think about what our thoughts are about God. It determines everything else in our life. And so, of course, this will definitely change the way we view prayer if we are persistent and if we know God's character, if we know what he is really about. And so to close this out, I, the other thing that I struggle with is, okay, well, then what about God's will? I struggle with, first of all, asking because I, it makes me feel weird to just beg God for things all the time. But he's told us to do that. Over and over again in scripture, he's told us that it's okay. Be persistent. Keep coming back. One more round in, uh, one more round in the ring. Keep coming and asking me for things. But what about God's will? How am I supposed to pray in God's will? I don't want to pray against God's will. And so I think to understand this, we need to, first of all, keep things in context and let scripture explain scripture. And so this, what we're reading today is that God gives good gifts but we, what we've got to understand to keep this right here in scripture is that it is God's good gifts not what we think his good gift should be it's not my version of good but it's God's much much better version of good I'm so glad you've probably heard this before I'm so glad God doesn't give me all the things I asked for because in hindsight I'm like gosh that would have been really stupid that would have turned out very poorly had God given that to me our definitions are not always the same and then like I said this passage comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, so in context, what we're talking about, that he gives good gifts. If we ask, we'll find. If we knock, the door is going to be answered. Yes, but what did Jesus say all before this? It's the Sermon on the Mount, and it's he's already telling us how to live. And then he kind of bookends it with, so ask for these things, and you'll find them. But he's kind of already told you what to ask for in a weird way. <laughs> Asked to live these ways. Asked to become more kingdom-minded. Asked to be more generous. Asked to live in the Beatitudes that he starts the Sermon on the Mount with. Asked Jesus to help you love your enemies better. Jesus is telling his followers to ask, to seek, and to pray to become more like the kingdom person that he was preaching about all before this. So keep this part in the context of, of what Jesus is already talking about. And all throughout Scripture, here's the hard thing, too, about praying God's will and being in his will people very often don't get what they pray for even in scripture Paul had this thorn in his flesh that was never removed Jesus God just tells him my grace is sufficient for you even in that Habakkuk prays for God to send one more revival to the nation of Israel after they've been rebellious over and over again and God says sorry Habakkuk not this time Babylon's coming you're going to spend some time in exile David even writes in the Psalms that his Ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. So remembering this, knowing that God's ways are higher, his thoughts are higher, sometimes I get stuck. And I'm like, okay, 
if I don't know your thoughts and your ways because they're so much higher, what do I even pray? Where do I even start with this thing? I want to be persistent. You've called me to be persistent. You've, I know your character. I know you're good. I believe you're faithful. You've proven yourself to me over and over again. But sometimes uh, instead of just praying and spending time with him, we get so worried about praying outside of God's will that we just don't pray at all. We can be so caught up in praying, about, praying outside of God's will that we just end up not praying at all. And so then these prayers that are supposed to be a little brash and a little bit like stepping into a boxing ring with God and it's okay to be tenacious with him. But when we're not sure, we come timidly. We come a little scared. We come very unsure. And in that, if we come unsure if, or if we are doubting God's character, then we can ensure that we'll never know what his will is. But prayer at the root is really about getting to know the heart of God, spending that time with him. He'll work out the details from there. I promise he will. But we have to get in his presence. We have to spend that time with him. And here's the cool thing is that naturally, over time, the more we know him, his thoughts will become our thoughts. His ways will become our ways. And before we know it, we are praying in God's will. Can I just tell you, just reassure you that God's big enough to handle your prayers, even if at first maybe we're not praying in his will very well. He will get to mold us and shape us just because we're spending time in his presence. Um, guys can come back and play. So go after God with tenacity. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Pray with persistence. Be confident in God's character. Can you stand with me? So this morning, I just want us to think on these things. And, and more than anything, I want us to take some time. Um, join me in releasing this fear of, of doing it wrong. I think that's one thing that always comes to my mind when I go to pray. It's just that, God, I don't want to do this thing wrong. And I just, I feel like God wants to remind us this morning, there's not right or wrong. It's just spending time with me. It's just getting in his presence and being persistent, not giving up when you don't get an answer at first, just spending time with him. So let's reflect on these things this morning as we sing this song.